Another episode of Cold Chinese Food Podcast. I'm very excited to have on Andrea Bordeaux. She's an actress, writer, goddess, healer. You may have seen her on CIS Los Angeles playing the fierce Harley Hidoko. She's a mesmerizing, super talented, and highly enlightened woman with a lot of amazing and unique insights on the world. And I'm happy to have her here today for a girl talk and grown woman chat. Welcome, Andrea. How are you? Hello, and thank you for that introduction. I really appreciate it. Oh, I am <laughs> all about the introductions, and I'm all about like sprinkling the magic and giving people the flowers that they deserve because I'm super discerning about the people that I have on my show and my space. So that's it. I meant it. <laughs> I'm honored. I'm absolutely honored. And obviously, you know how I feel about you. You are Aww. just such an incredible writer and light and your insight on the world and your perspectives are just so fascinating. And I'm just so glad that we've connected and, and I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes. And to that, we're going to raise our imaginary champagne glasses and we are going to toast to that okay <laughs> i'll do i'll do a non-alcoholic champagne how about there that there you go a healthy <laughs> champagne how are you feeling these days you know i'm feeling a lot of things i'm i'm excited i'm at peace i'm a little overwhelmed i'm full of joy there's just so much going on in my life and so many major major changes that i'm experiencing right now and i'm just kind of hmm. taking it moment by moment day by day and just enjoying the the ride of, of life. I love that. As I'm sitting here talking to you, like when I first saw you, one of the one of the first things that popped into my mind and my head was like, what is this woman's routine? You know, and by <laughs> routine, like I have this whole thing. It's like a skin to spirit alignment because I feel like my skin sort of always tells on me how mm, I'm feeling, mm -hmm. what's going on inside my spirit always. Yeah. So I want to get into your skin to spirit alignment and like kind of like your wellness and, you know, how you how you handle the pandemic. I want to get into like the wellness, the radiance. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I don't I don't know where to begin, because I feel like every single thing that we do, every choice that we make, everything that we consume, whether it's what you eat, what you mm -hmm. watch, what you read, what you listen to is 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 it affects your your wellness. It affects your health. It affects your aura. And, and it's so interesting. You talk about the skin because the skin is, you know, it's the biggest organ on your body. And a lot of people don't realize that. And so, I mean, just starting with skin, I guess I eat very, very well. I, I have a very, very clean diet. That's number one. I'm, I'm vegan. I've been vegan for about a year. Mm -hmm. And, um, even before that, you know, I, I can't say that I've always eaten very clean. I've always had pretty good skin, but since going vegan, I feel like my radiance is just amplified. No. Yeah. I mean, it's there. It's there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I just, I eat very well. I take good care of my skin. I only really use natural products. I stay away from harsh chemicals and, and preservatives and fragrances and things like that. I really love like nat just natural skincare, like the fewer the ingredients, the better is, is kind of what I gravitate towards. And I'm also very conscious about what I, what I put on my body. I'm conscious about what I watch. I keep my stress levels down. I meditate daily. 
I mean, I, I have a lot of practices. Like, I don't even know how much time do we have to talk about oh, all I mean, of that. <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely have to dedicate something to that later because I am all about delving into that. I'm not so much, I guess, a, a beauty person per se in terms of like makeup. But when it comes to like a wellness, like I said, skin to spirit, that's mm-hmm. totally what I love to hear people skin to spirit. Thank you. So tell me about your pandemic story. Like from when it started to now and your journey. Because I know (laughs) you guys filmed the show during a pandemic. Yeah, we started working on the show in October. I got to New York where the show is based and where where it's filmed at the end of September. But, you know, I guess to rewind back to the beginning of of 2020, because I guess that's where it all started. Right before, you know, I had been kind of, I had been like watching some of the things that were going down in the news. And I had been seeing the news reports of, of, of like allegedly what was happening in China. You and I haven't had a lot of conversations about mm-hmm. the pandemic, but mm-hmm. my perspectives on it are very different from the, the mainstream. And, so and, and, very- and that's, that's <laughs> what I'm really interested in in general. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if you, you know, how much you wanted to talk about that or not talk about that. But I'm, I mean, I'm always open and so is my audience to hearing your alternative, you know, thoughts and perspectives? Well, I, what I really think is that this, this last year, 2020 was sort of a gut check for people to kind of show people where they were located spiritually, physically, mentally. Hmm. And, you know, depending on where your, your consciousness was sitting last year, I think that kind of determined the kind of year that you had you know, right when everything was shutting down and I live in Los Angeles. So right when everything was shutting down, I actually got on a plane and went to Bali. (laughs) Oh, wow. How long were you in Bali? I was in Bali for, I was supposed to be there for nine days, but I was only there for five because Bali ended up, well, Bali didn't uh, initially close their borders, but I had flown through Australia and Australia Mm -hmm. closed their borders. And so we were, we were there and we were kind of staying on track of the news because I was there for, um, it wasn't for vacation or just leisure. I went there for, for healing. I went on a, on a healing retreat and to do a lot of really deep spiritual and shadow work. Oh, and so that, yeah. So there was just, there was no way I was, I was going to miss that. And I wasn't going to allow myself to get sucked into the fear consciousness that was taking over a lot of the, the collective, especially here in America. And so I was there for five days and we, we had to come back a little bit early because of, you know, borders and things shutting down, but it was absolutely incredible. And I'm so, so, so glad that I did because I was able to release a lot. Was it, I'm uh, sorry, was it like shamanic led? I mean, did, yeah. did you have like a shaman, a guru? Because like I'm totally into that. So I want to hear. I want to hear that. Yeah. Hear so I, I I went with my teacher um, or my former teacher. I don't I don't work with her anymore, or at least not at this moment. Her name is uh, Candace Silvers, and she's basically like like a human behavior expert and mm. really just teaches. She teaches, you know, people how to, you know, take control of their life by number one, taking full responsibility for the life that they have mm. and the life that they're that they're trying to create. And, you know, she's, you know, deeply spiritual and travels around the world and, and learns from, you know, different spiritualists, different modalities of, of healing and shares that with, with her students. And so when we went to Bali, we basically connected with a number of healers, which, I mean, these are, these are like, in my opinion, they're like walking gods. Mm -hmm, I mean, these mm -hmm. are people that are so tapped into the cosmos and have this, this godlike energy flowing through them. And they just share their gifts with the people that they come in contact with. And really do do great work in terms of healing. 
I worked with one of the healers I worked with, you know, it, it completely transformed me. I just sat with her for 20 minutes and she just worked on all of my chakra points and meridians. And it was extremely painful. Ooh. Yeah. Emotionally, right? Ever, Purging. Yeah. But not even just emotionally, it was physically painful because mm-hmm. when she, when she touches the meridian points and the chakra points, she's tapping into the blockages. And so you're feeling the blockages and it, it hurts when she touches certain points in your body. And so you just have to, or at least what I did was I just went into a deep meditative Mm -hmm. state and just allowed her to work on me because, you know, the more, what's really interesting about the human experience is that the more pain you can endure, the more you can be transformed. And so the deep and the deeper the healing can be. And so it's, it's a very interesting exchange because a lot of people, they start to feel the pain and they immediately run from it or shut down and don't allow themselves to allow that pain to integrate and disintegrate mm-hmm. the, the blockages. But I was able to do that. And when I was done, I, I just, I felt like a completely different person. I felt like just lighter. I felt clearer. And I firmly believe that that healing that I got from her and the other healers is what allowed me to process 2020 in a much different way from than than other people were processing it. So it was it was wonderful. That's amazing. I mean, I love that in terms of, you know, being able to to put yourself where you need to be put to kind of grow and and the pains that come along with it. I grew up with Mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, shamanic kind of ritualistic uh, principles and and practices and 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 people around and plant medicine so I, I'm always mm-hmm. sort of really interested in anything that's that will take me there yes you know like yes. I'm always like did it work for you is your skin <laughs> the skin to spirit alignment seems on point okay <laughs> I, I need the number like me I check the skin to spirit alignment and then I ask for your advice and if you want to give me advice and it's not there, <laughs> then maybe I'll just <laughs> nod. <laughs> but um, that's amazing because I feel like, you, you know, this is stuff that people need to hear and yeah. people need to not be afraid of. Because I know that there's so much talk with, of course, mental health, you know, mm-hmm. but, you know, spiritual health and, you know, going through that and going through that lane also is is very crucial and important as well. So. Good yes. for you. I mean, I, good for you. Like Thank putting you. it out there. Well, cause I think, you know, if we going, cause I love, I love just looking at, at 2020 as, as the, the, the benchmark for all of that, because you could see that the ways in which so many people, I mean, millions and millions of people all of a sudden are at home, mm-hmm. you know, for weeks and weeks or months at a time, all of their distractions are, are being taken away from them. There's, there's their ability to escape. And they're really being forced to sit and face themselves. And a lot of people don't know how to face themselves or are really afraid to face themselves. And when you can't face yourself, you're just going to keep mutating over and over again and re recreating yes. the, the toxic programs totally and agree. paradigms. I totally agree. Yeah. Just with different people in different spaces, but it's the same, mm-hmm. like, you know, just it'll be the same, you know, betrayal It'll be the same guy. It'll be the same whoever. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. it's all about breaking out of that. And um, I guess the traumas and the quote unquote curses that come along with it. Yes. Yeah. Girl, I'm here for it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't mean, know I'm he here was gonna, for it. I didn't know he was going to get this deep right away. Okay. <laughs> Listen, it's, it's never, never too early to go deep, right? I love that. And I appreciate <laughs> that because, you know, you know, like sometimes when I interview entertainers and actresses, it's like, you know, that people 
are very focused on presenting something and just kind of sticking to what they have to, you know, put out there and that's it. But yeah, we're here for the me. people. Yeah, we're here for the people. We're here for exactly. the girls. Exactly. Yes. But I would like to, I guess, maybe parallel or join your your spiritual journey with, you know, your your career and you mm-hmm. know, get a little bit into, you know, run the world. Series that debuts on Stars in May. Is it May 14th? May 16th. May 16th, 2021. And tell us how that led to this. That's what I'm actually really interested in in understanding. Because I feel like a lot of people, you know, they want to have the breakthrough so they can have like the life changes. Mm -hmm. So how do you how do you connect the two? Well, for me, this goes back to, you know, this goes back four years ago, you know, a lot of people think that it's all about just getting the right audition or nailing the audition or having the right opportunity, but there has to be alignment. The alignment has to exist in order for you to even bring that into, into your, into your world. And so for me, what I, what I know now that I didn't know back then was that it was my, my own shit, my own negative programming, my own uh, traumas that were preventing me from being in alignment with the very thing that I was desiring for myself. I love it. And so when I started, you know, my last job was in CIS Los Angeles, and that experience was ex- was a very difficult experience for me. It was one of the most difficult experiences of my life, and I had how so. Um, well, I I can't I don't I don't really want to go too deep okay, okay. <laughs> into that, but I will say that there was you know there was some conflict that I had on the show with one of the cast members and things just kind of snowballed from there. And yeah, and it was, it was tough because I was very much in a, in a state where, you know, don't get me wrong. The the way that this person, you know, treated me was very unkind. Oh no. But at the same time, I had a responsibility for how I responded to that treatment and the way that I responded to that treatment, which I wasn't aware of at the time, because I felt like I'm just defending myself, Mm -hmm. but I could have made better or more high vibrational choices in the way that I responded to them. And I didn't. And so I ended up, you know, leaving the show and it was, it was, it was, it was heartbreaking for me because I felt like at the time that was like my dream job. You know, I, I had always wanted to do action and wanted to do a network television series. And so, you know, losing that was sort of, it kind of sent me into the dark night of the soul as, oh. as, as spiritualists call it, where I had no choice, but to say, okay, what did I do? What did I do to contribute to this reality that I'm experiencing? And a lot of people won't look at themselves. They'll continue to blame out to the other person mm-hmm, or people. Mm-hmm. And then, like we said before, we'll just recreate that same experience over and over again. And so I chose to step back and really just take stock of myself and take responsibility for myself and realize that I had a lot of healing to do. Ah. I had. Oh, let me let me take a pause for that, because I feel like that is like a great epiphany to arrive at. So this, you know, this this happened to you at work at your dream job and it caused you to get to this place. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, that's important to process. Yes. Mm. Yes. And it's, and it's not something that comes quick. If people are listening and they're looking for a quick fix or something very easy, it's not. And it's one of the reasons why so many people run away from this kind of work because of how Mm. difficult it is. But for me, once I started taking responsibility for myself and saying, okay, Andrea, what did you contribute? What did you do? What are you bringing to the table that is 
you know, you know, not healthy food. Cause like what, okay. what one of my teachers would always say is whatever you bring to the table is what you eat for dinner. Ooh, girl. <laughs> let, let, okay. Let's repeat that <laughs> because I like to have my guests repeat certain things. Cause I'm all about yeah. a good phrase. Okay. So guys, whatever you bring to the table is what you'll have for dinner. Yes. And it's really that simple. So if you're bringing anger, you're going to be consuming anger. But if you're bringing love, you're going to consume love. And that's what's going to fill you up. So do you want to fill up on anger or do you want to fill up on love? Do you want to fill up on resentment or toxicity or blame? Or do you want to fill up on peace and acceptance and joy? So it's really your choice what you what you consume. And, and so for me, it began the journey of, okay, let me get into meditation. I'd all, I, you know, meditated very sporadically, but then I committed to, you know, more frequent meditation. I committed to yoga and those things started, you know, activating my body in a way that I hadn't been activated. And it started releasing a lot of the tension that I had been holding in my, in my cells for years and years and years. And then I started working with my life coach. And once I started working with her, that's when the shadow work really, truly began. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd been trying to do a few things on my own. I had been doing some inner child work. Oh, I I love, I like, we're definitely going to get into that at some Mm -hmm. point, you know? Yeah. I'm I'm just laying the groundwork. Yeah. I'm just laying the groundwork, but yeah, we can, we can definitely expand on all of those things. But you know, Mm -hmm. the little bit that I was doing on my own, I was getting some progress but I was also in a relationship at the time and that we were having issues while you were at work. I mean, while you were at your job, you know, going through all this, you were also Mm -hmm. in a relationship that was kind of rocky ish. Well, it didn't really get rocky until after the job ended. And I think it was just because I was starting to really have to face myself and there was still a lot of resistance there and it was manifesting in the, in the relationship. Oh. And, you know, it's not that the person wasn't bringing their own bullshit to the table. Cause we all bring bullshit, but you know, I was more focusing on what he was doing versus what I was doing. And then once I started working with, you know, do inner child work and shadow work and my, my life coach, and I started taking more responsibility for myself, I realized the ways in which he wasn't taking responsibility for himself or himself. And, you know, I started feeling very called to, to, to break away, to, mm-hmm. to break up with him. Mm-hmm. Cause that, that, was, that's when things fall out of alignment. Like exactly mm-hmm. how you said, when you start seeing yeah. what, what they're not doing that you're doing. So, yeah. yes. And it was this hard connection. because I, I loved this person oh. with every fiber of my being. And, you know, I, I still love him because he really was in a lot of ways, a mirror for me. And it was mm. through our relationship that I got to see myself truly for the first time. And so once I began that work and I, you know, I did the very hard thing of, of breaking up with him, which a lot of women struggle with that. A lot of women, our intuition, our discernment will tell us over and over and over again, let that man go. And we won't do it because we're afraid of the unknown or we're afraid of being lonely, or we think that he's the best we're ever going to get. And all of those are lies. You know, those are lies of the mind. But the universe, God, goddess, whatever you want to call, you know, that divine energy, it it rewards authenticity. It rewards you choosing alignment. And so once I broke up with him and and dove deeper into my my work, which, you know, that shadow work is a solo journey. You can do shadow work in a relationship, 
but I feel like it's much more rewarding if you are able to isolate yourself and really dive deep. And that's what I was able to do. And once I, it's just, I started shifting my mindset about so many things. I stopped, you know, I was able to start healing resentment that I had towards my parents and siblings. I was able to heal the resentment from what happened to me on NCISLA. I started really mm-hmm. owning, you know, my part in it and, and forgiving myself for not knowing any better. Yeah. yeah. Power. Yeah. And then just very slowly, but surely things just started, the kaleidoscope started shifting. Mm. And then within, I would say four or five months of me working with my teacher, that's when I got the audition for, for this TV show for run the world. And it was, I mean, it, it was absolutely aligned at that time. Like I remember reading the, the breakdown for the audition and just knowing deep in my bones that that was my job. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I knew it was my job, but I also knew I have to, you know, like if, if some people, you know, if you're, if you're Christian that, you know, the Bible says, what does it say? Faith without works is, is, I don't remember the rest of it, but basically like you can have all the faith you want, but if you don't put in the work, Mm-hmm. You're not going to manifest it. And so I you, did you the knew work. what you had to do. And then you were yes. willing, you were ready to do it. Yes. Okay. Yes. And then I, I booked the show and don't get me wrong. That was there. That was still the beginning of the journey. I still had a lot of work to do, but that put me on the path toward really deep, incredible spiritual healing. And, you know, and it, and it also empowered me because I was learning that the more I took responsibility for myself and the more I recognized that I am the creator of my reality, the more things that I desired started coming into focus. Like I went to, you know, before, cause I went to Bali in March, 2020, but in November, 2019, I went to Marrakesh with this teacher and a group of, a group of students. And, you know, I was almost broke at that time. You know, I, I was almost broke. I, I hadn't even quite booked the show yet. Um, so let me rewind. So this is probably like early October. I knew I really wanted to go to Marrakesh, which was going to happen the the second week of November. And I did not have the money. I had been living on residuals and my money was going to run out January, 2020. I was going to be broke and I was going to have to go back to working in restaurants, which I had done for 14 years. Wow. Yeah. And my teacher, you know, listen, first of all, let me just say, I appreciate you being real. Okay, <laughs> not about the journey and the real struggle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I appreciate that. So, thank you because it, it's 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 the truth. It's it's not it's not easy. You know, there's no such thing as as an overnight success. I mean, if if someone's an overnight success, they were probably planted there because yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Um, because most people, you know, their journey, their organic journey is it's a long road. It's it's they say it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? Mm-hmm. And so I. What was I saying? I mean, I, I, I wanted I to know because you're getting into I wanted to know what it basically what it took for you to get from from there to, you know, where you are now and what we're seeing in the posters and what we're anticipating yeah. and, you know, your character and, and all this new stuff that bring that that's been brought into your life. I want you to tell me a little bit about what the show is and, and your character and you. 
Wait, so you don't want, you don't want me to finish talking about the spiritual journey that got me there? No, no, I I, I want, I I want it all. I want the whole journey, but you know, since you asked, I was just telling you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, but, but this is part of it too, because Mm -hmm. you have to, like me bringing up Marrakesh, it's, it's about knowing that, you know, like it's a, it's about creating the abundance mentality that you need to call in what it is that you are, you're desiring, because a lot of people have a scarcity mentality where they don't think that they have enough. They're not grateful for what they have. And in order for me to get what I have now, I had to learn to be grateful for what I had then. And, and it, 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 you know, to me, it it wasn't that much, but it was everything. Gratitude. Yeah. Gratitude. Yes. The gratitude. And mm-hmm. so like a great example of that was, you know, like I said, I was, I was basically broke. How am I going to spend, you know, cause the trip to Marrakesh was very expensive. It was like, it was like $7,000 for how and long for, for 10 days. Oh, okay. yeah. 10 days, but fully, it's a fully guided experience. Okay. You know, it's a fully guided experience. You don't worry about anything when you're there, everything is taken care of but it's also, you're also paying the teacher. It's not just going to Marrakesh. It's you're paying for the teacher. You're paying for the healers. It's, it's very expensive. And what I'm, what I'm saying is like, I was, I was broke. And what I was able to do was, you know, I basically told, I told God, I said, you know, this is something that I need. This is something that, that I, I I absolutely have to have happen and I'm going to make it work. And I, what I did was I, on faith, I signed up for it. It was non-refundable. And I, I called my, my business manager and I told him, I was like, listen, I know that I only have X amount of money in my bank account, but I'm going to Marrakesh and this is how much it costs. And I just basically want to let you know mm-hmm. that this is what I'm going to do. And he, and this was two or three days after I had signed the non-refundable contract. And he said, actually, you just got a residual check for $7,000. Ooh, so, are you serious? I'm, I kid you not. Oh, so that was, that was God. That was the yes. validation you needed. That was, that yeah. was it. Yeah. So it's really just about, about trusting. And that was, it was such a beautiful thing because then a couple of weeks later, that's when I booked run the world. And so it all just kind of feeds into each other. I, I booked run the world. And then I went to Marrakesh a couple of weeks later, got some incredible healing and then went to Bali a few months after that, because once I saw what I was gaining from really committing to the spiritual practice and also investing in myself. Okay. You know, investing in myself, you know, investing that money, you know, that's, that's a signal to the universe. When you invest in something, you're basically, you know, you're telling the universe, this is what I'm ready for. And then the universe will literally move mountains to give it to you. It's It's that simple. And so, yeah, I, I would not have been able to do this show in the way that I was able to and embody this character if I hadn't gone through that whole experience and that whole uh, spiritual growth and learning to uh, live in gratitude and trust and abundance and enjoy. And that's really what my life has been ever since then. And it's, it's incredible because I, I never, I didn't realize that was possible. My twenties were so difficult. I suffered from depression. Girl. You know, <laughs> me too. <laughs> I yeah. mean, my, no, my twenties were were a whole mess, and it, it wasn't until <laughs> I wrote the book that I was like, "This is why I went through that." You know, because mm-hmm. at, at the end of the day, I got like a, a memoir that you know other you know black girls can read, and they can kind of feel and see something in it. So, 
just kind of like yes. you said, trusting in the journey and knowing mm-hmm. that it, it, it brought you to a place where you were willing to make that investment because yes. you saw what you were worth and you saw other people not seeing it. Mm-hmm. But you needed to make a statement and a stand like this is what I'm worth. I'm going to do mm-hmm. it and it's going to yeah. happen. And then it did. It and did. here we are. And every single thing since then, like I have, you know, I've manifested, you know, like last summer I manifested and this isn't, this isn't bragging or anything like Mm -hmm. that. I'm just, I'm just talking about the power of the mind and and the belief in yourself and how you can call anything. in. like, I manifested tens of thousands of dollars in a, to move out of my apartment, Mm -hmm. you know, because they were, you know, tearing down the building and wanting, getting, wanting to get people out. And there were people who had taken settlements for like $10,000, like low amounts. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I got, I got, I got, I got a lot more money than that, you know? And it was just because I said, you know, this is what I want. I meditated on it. A number came into my mind. That's what I asked for. And that's literally what I got. And, you know, that's amazing. And the number came into your mind because you had gotten rid of everything that would have blocked you. Like there was clarity. Like that's yes. when you get the the messages and that's when you get the oneness, when you don't have the anxiety and the resentments and the anger mm-hmm. and all that stuff in your face. It's just you and the world and yourself and you become a vessel for, for everything, for the light. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I just got chills hearing you say that because that's that's literally what it is. You have to clear away the illusions. You have to clear away the lies and the untruths mm-hmm. so that you can settle into oneness so that you can, you can be connected to source because when you're connected to source, I mean, we, you, you're God, you know, like all of us are, we're all, you know, perspectives of God. Mm -hmm. God just wants to know itself. That's really what humans are. Just all of the different, um, perspectives of oneness. Mm -hmm. And when you're tapped into that, you can call anything into your life that you want anything. And, and that, that's what I've gotten to experience over these last couple of years. And, and I'm just so passionate about sharing that, that understanding with, with others and especially with women and, and especially black women, because I feel like with a lot of the things that were happening in 2020, especially with regard to, you know, race issues and, and things like that, black women, we're, we're not, we're not tapped in. We're just not tapped in. And we're, we're distracted by so many things that I think are pulling us from really being able to harness our true spiritual power. I mean, black women are the original gods of this planet and we just don't know that we don't know how capable we are of creating whatever we desire. That's definitely one of the things that, um, I, you know, I found most powerful about you was, you know, your Instagram videos and your Instagram messages and how, um, I mean, it's a cohesive thought, you know, and it's also your philosophy. It's not anything taken from anything. And also, like, when you speak empowering words, you're speaking authentically, you know, because there's a lot of people. And, you know, this is definitely an issue that I that I have with what's out there. And there's a lot of, quote unquote, empowerment, but it's just people just regurgitating shit that they don't even really, really practice you know they're not even those people that they're telling you to be it's like sit here and tell me your journey tell me you're ugly and that's that's (laughs) your bible that's your bible like that's your bible that's your Torah. that's your quran like that that is your law you know like i want to know your law so i can learn from it so i can be moved by it 
you know, I don't want to just sit here for you to tell me, believe in yourself. Like, okay, we'll get to that. But tell me Mm -hmm. what you had to do before you got there, you know? Yes. So that's what I respect. So I I mean, before we get into the, you know, because the black black women and the black girl empowerment, (laughs) I want us to get into this show. Tell us about about the show. What's the premise? What's the plot? And then your character. Yeah. And then Harlem also. (laughs) <laughs> oh, of course, of course. So Run the World, it's, you know, it, to, 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 to say it more, most simply, it's, it's a show about, you know, four, four women, four Black women who are living, loving, and learning. And it really goes through, you know, all of the aspects and facets of their lives. It's about their individual experiences. It's about their experiences with each other as friends, their experiences in, in work and, and in play and in romantic relationships. And, and it's done with so much joy and levity and light. I mean, we talk about real things that, that black women go, go through, but we're not coming from, it's not trauma porn, which I think is something that has really just been kind of shoved down our throats. Tell me, tell me your thoughts on that, (laughs) your thoughts on that. Well, I'm, I'm not into it. I don't, I don't, I don't buy into the, the oppression narrative. I just don't, not anymore. I used to. And when I, when I, when I subscribed to the oppression narrative, I had a very dark life. And once I started really understanding and, and witnessing my own power to create the life of my dreams, you know, that's when my life changed. And remember, I'm not coming from a place of like, oh, I have millions of dollars and now I just forget about all the things that happen. Like, I don't have that much money, y'all. Like, I literally, <laughs> this, the show hasn't even premiered yet. Like, I did one season of a show. Listen, I, God I, willing, God willing. Yeah, it's coming, of course. Girl, come on. But yeah. like, sometimes people will dismiss what you have to say because they feel like you're speaking from a place of privilege. But I just told you that a year and a half ago, I was dead broke. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And these were the things that I was learning. And after changing my mindset, I was able to really start uh, embodying abundance and, and abundance isn't just about money. Abundance is, is, is everything. Abundance is friendship. It's love. It's peace. It's joy. It's happiness. It's, it's, it's discipline. It's money as, of as part of it. Prosperity. You know, but it's not, yeah. Yeah. Prosperity. It's not just about people here abundance and they just think money, but you don't, you don't understand that there are so many other things that, that are, that create abundance for you. And so this and series so, sort of kind of like parallels like the levity and, and mm-hmm, the, the things yeah. that you kind of wanted for yourself. And yes, getting out of getting out of the darkness, getting out of the trauma porn, constantly feeding our minds, you know, this idea wow. that we're that we're, you know, these the, the these these victims in, in society. And, you know, and that's really what the show is. The show is these women are, are living their lives and they're going through ups and downs but they're all still looking at themselves and saying, okay, what is it that I'm doing? What is it that I'm doing that's causing this to happen in my life? And what can I do differently? I mean, I don't, I can't give a spoiler, but you know, there's an episode that's all about therapy, you know, and it, and it's really the women being forced to, to look at themselves and, and, and realize, wait a second, I created this. I'm upset at this person for, for this scenario that I'm in, but really I'm the one that created that because of the way that I think about the situation. So I can change the situation by changing the way that I think about it. And that is, you know, what life is all about is if you change the way that you think about something, then that thing has no choice but to change. It's like, if I think, if I think you're a fucking bitch, mm-hmm. everything that you do and say is going to look bitchy very much, to me. Very, yes, that's very But true. if I, 
But if I make the choice, you know what? She is so lovely and she's going through things and she's healing and I'm going to hold space for her and have compassion for her. Everything that you do henceforth is going to be coming from that place because I'm choosing to see it differently. And again, like these concepts are not complicated. It's quite simple. It's Mm -hmm. the work that's more difficult. The work to to getting there and to embodying that is is the hard part, but it's the most rewarding part. And that's interesting because it sounds like the show is centered and focused around your philosophy. <laughs> you know, like, honestly, like, literally what you are, you know, and, and yeah. what you, you have created for yourself. And um, tell me about your character on the show. Yeah. Yeah. So Ella, you know, and it's and it's you're so correct when, in saying that because Ella is going through, you know, at the very at the in the first episode, you know, you, you learn that she's had some major career and love setbacks. She's her, she's heartbroken. She's, um, you know, building herself from the ground up because her, her career has essentially crashed and burned and she's, her confidence has been rocked. She's disillusioned and her cynicism is on 10, but she's pushing through and she's, she's okay. This is what I have to do now. Let me figure this out. I'm going to complain about it, but I'm still figuring it out. And that's exactly where I was a couple of years ago after NCIS LA of like, hmm. this cu- this really sucks, but I have to just keep going. And, and so Ella is, you know, she's, she's a writer and a creative. Oh, she's a writer. I love when there's like a black, you know, leader character and they're writers. Like, I love it. So already she's my favorite character. Okay. I mean, she's, she's my, she's my favorite too. (laughs) But yeah, she's, she's a writer and she has a lot of really interesting insights on love and life and, and what it means to be, to be a black woman. And, you know, she's, she's, her perspective is shifting. And so obviously you know, I'm sure you've gone through moments where you were uninspired in your writing because you are just, you're in a transitory phase. And that's sort of how she is. She's very mm-hmm. uninspired, but she wants to recreate or re reignite that inspiration. And so that's really like who she is and what her, her journey is all about is just picking up the pieces and, and, and reincarnating herself into, into this, this new version of herself. And I think it's, it's, it's so indicative and, and, and reminiscent of what I've gone through and what I'm currently going through. And it's very cathartic to get to portray her on screen because I, I think she's, she's so real. And I think a lot of people are going to love her. They're going to love all of the women, of course. But I, I, I think, you know, what Ella's going through, I think is going to resonate with a lot of people as well. I mean, I'm already connecting with it. And also, like, there's the, the style game. You know, <laughs> like the way you guys are looking and like they're already dubbing it like uh, the black sex in the city. That, yeah. That's what um, uh, the engineer Lance was like, oh, the, the black sex in the city show. I'm like, Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, because yeah. I wanted to know how you felt about that comparison and, you know, how you feel about that. Oh, I mean, we don't we don't mind the comparisons. Like we've already done so much press on the show and a lot of the 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 journalists, you know, bring up the comparison. And I totally understand because the 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 you know, the foundation of the show is is very it's a similar premise. Obviously, the lens is very different, but the premise is similar. And so I loved Sex in the City. I was too young to be watching it, uh-huh. but I I watched it every <laughs> right. single Sunday. And I love Sex in the City, but also, you know, there are other shows. There's Living Single, there's uh, Girlfriends, there's there's all of these shows that we love so much that were geared around the, the female experience. Mm-hmm. And because those shows existed, we get to exist. 
And so we, I mean, speaking for myself, you know, I, I don't mind the comparisons at all because I don't think, I don't necessarily know if our show would, would be here if, if sex in the city didn't happen. What's different about our show is that, you know, obviously sex in the city came out 22 years ago and it's, it's about four women in their lives and their careers, but it's very male centric. It's very centered on their lives sort of being incomplete without that, that male counterpart. Very much so. Very much so. Yeah. And that was, you know, and it's indicative of the times. It's not a criticism. It's just, that's what was indicative of the times, but it was also very progressive for that era. And I think we have to be fair about what the consciousness was Mm -hmm. in, in, in 1999, 2000, but here in 2021, the consciousness has, has evolved. And so our show is really just about the women and what they're creating for themselves. And the men um, are a complement to these women's lives. They're not the sole focus. And I think that's what makes us a little bit different and what is what is a, a more progressive version of, of that premise, of the storytelling of that premise. And um, I mean, progressive, but also because um, people like to use the word progressive sometimes. Not mm-hmm. you. I'm talking about society when they're not kind of comfortable coming to coming coming to an understanding that this is the reality. The reality mm-hmm. is that this is how a lot of black women are. They're they're independent and they're really not necessarily needing a man as mm-hmm. much as, you know, their their mothers and their aunties did, you know, or thought they did. Yes. So I feel like that this is a very real experience and I think it's part of um, you know, you're talking, you, you talked about your journey and, you know, moving and transitioning of, of, you know, society, black psyche kind of transitioning and understanding the black woman's power and independence and, and mm-hmm. her value and kind of her seeing her value. Like, this is who yeah. I am and this is this is what I can get and this is what I've gotten. And what can you do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What and, can I, and, you it's, do? <laughs> and it's funny because a lot of, a lot of men, um, and cause this is kind of, you know, this isn't something that just black women are starting to recognize. This is what women of all races are mm-hmm. starting to, to recognize because this is the rise of the divine feminine consciousness. This is what the, the manifestation of that is. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, when I, I've, I've read some comments and things and, a lot of the salty comments are coming from they're coming from black men because they think that oh, we're yeah. either, you know, that they 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 oh. they've only seen a trailer and they're assuming that oh, it's they left a, comments under the trailer. Oh yeah. I love reading comments. Oh, I no. love reading comments. Yeah, yeah. I don't, what are they I don't afraid mind it. At all. Of? Tell me, like what do you well, sense? Well, because they're I mean, I what they're saying is <laughs> you know <laughs> she's like, no, what they're actually typing. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, they're just making assumptions because I think they're, I think they're feeling a little, you know, they're a little traumatized by some of the portrayals of, of black men in, in series and movies over the last 10 years or so. And so they're kind of like projecting onto the show of like, oh, well, this is just another men ain't shit, you know, TV show, Mm. or, you know, these women, they're just going to be sleeping around and you know, things like that. And it's really not that at all. It's they're They have no idea what they're talking about. But what I I guess the larger point that I'm trying to make is that, you know, going back to what you were saying before about like that, that independence and like women really recognizing their own power. That's just the next step in the, the, the two divine energies, the masculine and the feminine coming back together. There has to be a bit of a separation so that the, the Mm. divine feminine can recognize her power and then, and heal because that's what black. And that's what black women really are needing right now is healing. And like I said earlier, you have to, the best way to heal is in isolation. 
I agree. In my, in my opinion. I agree. And so black women are kind of socially isolating themselves from men a bit, but it's allowing us to heal and recognize our worth and our power. Ooh. And we're not leaving these men behind, but we have to take stock and take time for ourselves first. And I, and if, and if the, if the masculine could just be patient and, and be in support of the divine feminine, then he can trust that they're going to come back together again. But I think there's a lot of fear of, of the divine feminine kind of abandoning yes, them, which is yes. why okay, they're okay. reacting the way that they are. That's my spiritual yeah, um, take and, on and it. It's also, it's, it's, you know, it's beautiful and it's positive and it's very like, you know, like in your mind, it's, it's romanticized, like, okay, like we are separated and we're coming, like it's, it's mm-hmm. promising. That's the word. I think it is. I yeah. think it's promising. It's a promising. lot of the rhetoric is that it's, yeah. oh, we're, you know, we're destroying black love. And I don't mm-hmm. think that's what's happening. I do believe that we're just there. There's, there's, there's a transition that has to happen. And this is what this looks like. I mean, the black community is kind of going through a dark night of the soul as a collective. And they're, they, the healing that we're, we're starting to tap into is, is what's going to bridge that gap between the, the man and the, the, the man and the woman. And I think people just have to have a little bit more patience for that and just like really focus on themselves so that the two can can coexist. And that is definitely something that I say I would highlight when I, you know, I, I listen to your videos and your, your IG post, the importance of focusing on yourself and making yourself whole really really like deep diving like to me that's the one thing that really like not just like the spiritual work but this is me this is my experience i'm going to focus on me you know Mm -hmm. separate from work separate from relationships separate from career separate from black people separate from this separate from that like this is me like and i think that's so important especially like when we're talking about now in this generation and i think about like you know my mother and my aunties and this is something that I talked about when I had um, Dr. Candace Nicole on, who is a racial trauma psychologist. And mm-hmm. we talked about um, just kind of like just kind of like the pathway and just to kind of being not someone who 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 how to explain it. Like it's kind of like the old school black female experience, you know, where you're kind of spreading yourself out too thin. Yeah. Where everything is super hard, where everything is a struggle, where mm-hmm. people expect mm-hmm. so much from you, where it's like there's like a muling kind of. You oh, know? yes. The muling. I mean, yeah. you're pouring into everybody but yourself. Yeah. And that's something that I grew up seeing a lot of. And I feel like. Same. Yeah. You know, I feel like what you're saying now and sort of like what you're representing is so much of a the polar opposite and coming into consciousness with that and you know, looking at the past in these black women, you're like, like I said to Can- Dr. Candace Nicole, like, I love my mom, but I ain't trying to like, that's not what I want. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So and, the, and, the, and, and the interesting thing about that is that, you know, our, a lot of our mothers and our aunts or our big sisters, you know, they, they kind of see that as, as a rejection of them, mm-hmm. you know, and that we don't want the things that they, we don't want the same experiences that they had. And so some of the, some of the older women are, are kind of having a little bit of a hard time too, especially because they're starting to wake up and realize oh, yeah. you know, what they, what they've spent their entire lives yeah. giving up. It, it wasn't and, even investment. It was sacrifices. You mm-hmm, know, it's you're, you're mm-hmm. giving stuff. You're not in, like investing. You're not, it's just, oh man, it's sad. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It gets dark. 
But I mean, it's, it's, it's our job to, to, to shift, to shift that paradigm. And, you know, what I, what I'm doing is like, I'm 34 years old. And so, you know, a lot of what I'm doing, it's, it's not just to, to speak to the women of my own age. Like I have a 20 year old niece, Mm -hmm. you know, who's just stepping into the world. And I'm, I'm speaking to her generation too, the, the Gen Zers, because their consciousness is, is, is going to be greatly expanding as well. And so I think about the, the young girls um, and the children, the the girl children and, and what, what kind of world we're going to be building for them, what kind of example we're showing for them, because we don't want them. I I don't want to go through what my mother went through and I want better for myself than I want even better for the, the girls that are coming behind me. And the best way to do that is to embody, you know, the, the fullest example of that. I agree. And talking to our, you know, our little sisters and our, and our, and our nieces, mm-hmm. something that I want you to kind of highlight is what is your what is your dating philosophy? What is I mean, you know, being on a show that is, you know, dubbed the black sex in the city. <laughs> like, h- how do you. You know, h- how do you think is the best way to go? You know, like, do you have any rules that you set up when you're seeing someone? What is your magic? What do you attract? What do you want to attract? Like things like that. Like, what is your dating philosophy? I am not dating at all. Okay. I haven't dated. I, I, because that's part of it for me is, you know, because I am in a, in a, in like a spiritual isolation mm-hmm. and, and still just working on myself. I'm choosing not to entertain that energy at all. I don't want any of that energy in my, in my field. Because I know that and it's not about not wanting it in my field. It's just knowing that I'm going to keep building on myself. And the thing that I'm in alignment with is going to come into alignment uh, when, when I'm ready for it. You know, so I don't I don't believe I personally don't believe in dating apps. I've used dating apps before. I actually met my my last partner on on a dating app. But through after that experience and, and just seeing the way that, you know, apps are, are, are really geared to the detriment of women. They really don't serve women well at all. In my opinion. Um, I, I don't believe in them. I believe in, you know, more organic ways of meeting, but if that's what you want to do, do it. For I've me. never been, a date, I've never been, um, a dating app. I mean, I have friends that are like highly skilled on it. Like, you know, they, they've got mm-hmm. that whole game down. And as you're talking about the dating thing, I mean, I, I thought I was sort of like the only one that, that approached it. Like, like the way you're speaking. Cause I haven't been in a relationship in several years and mm-hmm. and I knew internally it had to do with the fact that I knew I had things to work on. Yeah. I was like I need to I need to get right for me cuz I'm seeing mm-hmm. a lot of my friends and they're they're toxic and they're with toxic people and they're creating <laughs> toxic ass shit and like I really like inherently I guess on a very deep level First of all, I mean, that's absolutely a no. And I don't I don't want to be I don't want to do that, you know? Yeah. And I, I guess I was just willing to take as long as I as I had to take. But I always kind of felt, you know, OK, well, maybe I should be dating. Maybe I, I should be doing this now. Maybe, you know, so I, I, it's kind of a relief to know that I'm not the only one that's. No, you know. you're not the only one. And honestly, a lot of my friends are are in the same boat where we're just like, nope not interested. And it's just because we're really focusing on ourselves and building Mm. ourselves, healing ourselves. And, you know, I, I was married for all of my twenties. I got married when I was 23. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I met my, 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 my former husband, I hate saying ex boyfriend or ex husband, but I met him. I was 18 when we met and it was like, love at first sight. 
And we were together for five years before we got married. And that was because he actually proposed to me within the first year of us being together. And we got married. Yeah, we was it like hometown? Sorry, was it like a hometown situation? Yeah, it was it was my hometown. But, you know, he he moved to New York because I moved to New York right after high school. I met him. I met him like a month after I graduated from high school. Wow. And I know. I know. It's so typical. And (laughs) but I, I didn't I did not put my life on hold for him. I was very clear, even at 18 years old, there's there's no one that's going to stop this train that I'm on. I'm going to New York. This is what I'm doing with my life. I'm going to become an actor. That's my dream. And if you want to be with me, get on board or get left behind. And he you know, he followed me to New York. He was in the military for a few years. And when he got out of the military, he moved to New York. And then the next year we got married. And but the thing is, the reason I bring that up is because, you know, I married him at 23. We I divorced him when I turned 30 and then I got into another relationship, um, you know, a few months later with my my former boyfriend. And, you know, like when to, to answer your question about about like my dating philosophy, you know, your brain isn't even fully developed until you're 25 years old. And I really, I firmly believe, and a lot of people might think I'm a, I'm an extremist, but I don't care because this world is so fucking upside down that the, to me, the, the remedies for a lot of the fuckery sound extreme because that's how fucked up our world is. But I really don't believe that women should be, right? Like I just, I don't, I don't believe that it's best for women to be dating in their early twenties. I really don't, especially when your, your brain isn't even fully developed. Like your cognitive function is not at 100%. And so, and if you look at a lot of women, when they look at the things that they went through in their twenties, so much of it just comes from the fact that you're not even really, you're not even a woman yet. You don't know who you are. You don't know what you really want. You haven't established firm boundaries for yourself. I think it's unfortunate that women go through so much shit in their twenties that forces them to then put those boundaries and things in place. But I feel like if, if the, the older women, like the, you know, our age and older who are like really trying to guide these younger women, if we can just help them understand that they're not missing out on anything, that they have a full life ahead of themselves and to really dedicate time to themselves, they're not going to necessarily be in their thirties realizing for the first time that they've never put themselves first. And, and I think that's what a lot of our women, our age are recognizing is that we, we gave, a lot of us gave up a lot of our twenties for, for other people. And, and are and are now taking ownership of our, of our, of our world. And so if the younger women have a foundation of, you know, you're, you're a powerful individual being, you don't need this person. This person should be a compliment to your life, not a necessity. Then you can be a whole happy, healthy person. And you're going to attract the best possible partner for you, not people that are going to wear you down. And you need to take years and years of your life off to, to recover and heal. I, I agree with all of that. And also there's such a you know, like at, at 17 or 16 or 18, there's such a skewed, patriarchal, distorted vision that we have sort of internalized mm-hmm. as young women. Because I remember being 16 <laughs> and being like, OK, when I turn 21, I'm going to be married because I don't want to be an old mom. Like, yes. I want to be married when I'm 30. Like, that's old. Like, you have this whole idea and notion of what it is to be like 30 and like single and like oh, 40 or like, you just think that it's just not what it is. You just need to get married and have kids. I didn't like, I'm like, now I'm still, I'm still formulating, you know, (laughs) like I'm still formulating. I'm still in formulation. Yeah. So I I think it's it's kind of like, that's why the 20s, like 
things become dumb <laughs> because you, you go into them dumb and you think that, like I said, the skewed patriarchal kind of like distorted vision that, that they have for you about getting married at 21 and then being a mother and then mm-hmm. 25. It, everything just sounds very old to an 18 year old, you know? It does. <laughs> and, 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 and you're right. It's, it's that conditioning. I mean, you're yeah. from the time you're a child, you're, you're constantly, it's constantly drilled in your head that 18 signifies adulthood, but as far as I'm concerned, you're not an adult until your brain is fully developed, which happens when you're 25. And so I remember being 22, 23 and people being like, oh my God, you're such a baby. And I thought it was so fucking condescending. But when I look back, you are a baby. A a 20 year old is still a child, Mm -hmm. you know? And and I don't mean like if you have a lot of of younger, younger listeners I'm not trying to be offensive or condescending. And trust me, young ones, you're going to understand when you're older what I mean when I say that. And that's why I say that I feel like we shouldn't even really be encouraging young women to date that young. And of course, men as well. But young women are the ones that are really kind of pushed into dating because youth, you know, really it's it's children that are that are worshipped as the ideal beauty standard. Yeah. And it's it's, wow. it's, yeah. it's very it's very pedophilic. In my opinion, because I remember what I looked like when I was 18 years old, I still look like a child. Most 18 year olds look like children. And the fact that 18, like people literally do countdowns for when celebrities turn 18. So when they're legal, when they're fuckable, it's disgusting. I think it's absolutely disgusting. You have these men lusting after, you know, virtual children. And, and, and I think that it's, that's one of the things that causes a lot of problems in our society. And it's why women are so, you know, a lot of our mothers ended up being so unfulfilled because look at how young our mothers and grandmothers were when they got married off and started popping out children. And they basically gave up their whole lives and never even got to realize who they truly are. And it's, it's really like when, when you kind of develop an awareness as you get older and you're able to kind of talk and communicate with these women in your life and you see what they they lost you know mm-hmm. and you see what they gave up it is really a painful realization but yeah. something that you can kind of take and you know stack into yourself and wow like sucks for you but no what i mean is mm-hmm. <laughs> you know something that you can take and you know use for yourself and and pass on and you you also see the difference between young women that have older sisters Mm-hmm. You know, you see their influence and, and how they feel about themselves and, you know, the sort of um, self-esteem that they have. Because I think I think self I guess I don't know. I feel like there's a better word than self-esteem or better term than that. But, you know, I just mean, it works for me. Self-esteem <laughs> <laughs> ha- having that. I guess what I mean is like self-fulfillment, because I feel mm-hmm. like, um, you know, the void is something that that is created by the systems and the patriarchy that they, they you know, little girls and girls, it's like the void. You need this. You need the makeup. Mm-hmm. You need the boy. You need to look like this. It's just like, yeah, just feeding into the void. And then, you know, at some point, you know, when it's it's full of crap, then you explode and then you have to start over. And then. Yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. And, you know, I can't say that I, I mean, I, I'm very grateful for my journey and I don't regret anything that I've gone through or experienced because it's given me the wisdom to sit here and, and, and share this knowledge with, with others. And I, and I hope that, you know, the young women are, are listening and looking, looking to us and, and, you know, the best way to get them to really, um, 
you, you have to, you have to kind of like my, my niece, I love her so much because she's, she's told me, she's like, you know, I, I go, she goes to me for advice and she's like, I go to you for advice because you have created a kind of life that I want to emulate. There you go. And that to me is like the greatest compliment oh, that is. a young woman could ever give it's, me. It's amazing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It makes me feel so good because, you know, that's by me living for myself and choosing myself and creating something beautiful for myself and being that example. She's like, wait a second, I can do that. But if girls don't have that example to look up to, then what are they going to know that they can create for themselves? And so um, it's it's my honor and it's my pleasure to, to share this. And like I said, it's it's my passion. It's my joy. And, and I do think that the tides are shifting. I do think that the Gen Z women, you know, a lot of them are lost the same as a lot of us are lost, but a lot of them are awake and a lot of them mm-hmm. see the lie of 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 uh, they see the lie of, of patriarchy. They see the lie of, you know, over sexualizing themselves. They see the lie in over overextending themselves for the benefit of others and giving nothing to themselves. They're, they're seeing that, yo, this, the math ain't math in yeah. and they're, they're choosing a different path. And I'm so grateful to see that reflected in a lot of these young women. And like, as you were saying about, you know, being a mentor in that figure and hearing that type of compliment, it's also a validation for you to kind of, I don't know if this is a word, but like kind of deitize yourself and kind of understand that if someone is telling you, this is the life that, you know, you've created the life that I want, that there's probably millions of other girls that feel the same way mm-hmm, or would mm-hmm. feel the same way if they can, you know, if they can get a piece of you or a part of you. And what you can do as kind of like a global big sister and how you can, you know, how, how you can utilize that. And yeah. I think that's important because I feel like whenever you hear something like that, that's also you know, the, 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 the universe telling you that it's time to step it up in terms of like, you know, you're, you're there and you're still healing, but you're also at a place where you can be of service to others and see what you can do with that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that, and to me, that's what it is. It's all about, you know, my, what the main thing that my healing journey taught me is that it's my responsibility. Like we're all born here in my opinion, to be in service to others. What that looks like for you is going to be different person to person. But you know what I tell when I, when, when people compliment me and I do this for people of all ages and both genders, but if you tell me that, you know, you like, Oh my God, you're so beautiful. You know, I tell people like, of course I, it's thank you. But what I really, what I, what I tell them is that you know, the beauty that you see in me is just a reflection of who you are. You're just mm. recognizing yourself in yeah. me. You know, I'm not special. I'm not better than anyone. I'm not more beautiful than anyone. I'm not more, you know, intelligent than anyone. So if you're, if you're seeing something in me that lights something up in you, that's because that thing is already in you. And a lot of people don't understand that that are everything that you could ever be, everything you could ever desire exists within you. And you just have to claim it for yourself. And that's the number one thing that I love to share with, with women is like, if you, like with mm. my niece, like you, you love, you love my life, but this you're, you're all you're seeing is the potential of what you can have for yourself. Like I, I did it. You can do it. I am not better than anybody. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's been an incredible, um, incredible experience. And I do get a lot of joy from, from being in service to, to women in that way. And, um, I have this chapter in my book called Three, 360 Womanhood. And mm-hmm. um, 360 Womanhood is about um, my experience from like girlhood to womanhood through my experiences with, with friendships and other women. I remember yeah. growing up, I had um, 
you know, in my culture, like clairvoyance and, and people like that and, you know, sh shamanic people are kind of common yeah. around. And all of them kept saying to me, women are not your friend. No, they said girls are not your friends. Mm. This is something that I would hear a lot. And and through like experiences that I would have, I would I would notice that um, there was always like a, a sense of competition with women. And I wasn't competing <laughs> you know? like I was very autonomous very kind of independent I was like listen you can have the room you can be the baddest bitch in the room like I'm not here for that mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. and I feel like people just felt that certain way and, and I don't know like it, it, it always kind of became a, a recurring thing and then I realized it was kind of like how they internalized the patriarchy and it wasn't so much about girls it's about yeah. like the marker of the patriarchy and men on women which affects how they treat other women. Yes, absolutely. You know? So it was, it was a pledge kind of like of me of, you know, as a woman, this is this is my responsibility. These are the responsibilities that I'm taking to to be of service to other women, to uplift other women, to not be in competition with other women. And yeah. just like just questions and check marks and, and benchmarks that women should practice and saying, if you're really here for empowerment and if you're really here to be encouraging and, and make the world better like you really some of us do need to look at your behavior and how you treat other women people mm -hmm. that come from where you're you come from you know that have the same stories why are they your competition why is why yeah. is she your problem and the girl that that comes from beverly hills and looks nothing like you that's the one that you want to you know you want to help or you want in your circle or you want to put on you know mm. so i feel like that's that's definitely something that's very important. Something I, I respect about you, you know, like you, you Thank are you. a woman's woman and I'm not going to say a girl's girl. And I think that's probably what <laughs> I'm going to call this, this episode of oh, being oh. a woman's woman. You know, you are a woman's woman. So, I love that. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. And it, you know, it's, uh, I'm so honored to hear you say that because that's yeah. how I've always felt. I mean, I've, I've always been a girl's girl and a woman's woman and, I just, I, I'm very woman centric and I always mm -hmm. have been, I don't, I like <laughs> women are everything. Mm -hmm. We we're, we're the originals. We're the creators. We're the embodiment of the divine creator. We are the blueprint. Black women are the blueprint. And so for me to not love my sister is to not love myself mm. and I love myself. So of course I love my reflection. Like you are my reflection and I'm your reflection. And, and, and that, I think that comp, that competitive aspect or that adversarial component that has been ingrained in women via the patriarchy, it, it really teaches women to hate their own reflection. And, and we, we, and we, 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 we do that in so many ways, like, you know, over, you know, I, I, I can't, I can't deal with, and I wear makeup, of course, but I don't wear a lot of makeup. I don't need makeup. I'm sitting on this thing wearing nothing on my face right now. You've seen me with no makeup and before. And you glowing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But like, you know, we are, we're constantly, we're constantly fighting against our own reflection with the makeup, with mm. the weaves and the wigs mm. and the, the plastic surgery, like the plastic surgery culture that has overtaken um, uh, like social media and like that, that's influencing women. I think it's, 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 it's horrifying. To First me of all, you're in LA. Okay. So you're seeing, we're seeing it on Instagram, but you're seeing these bitches up close <laughs> at the supermarket. Like you're there well, with these well, women. Like we don't have to call them. Let's not call well, them yeah, bitches. I mean, but... <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, it's me bringing out the stupid black girl, the gist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
that's just something that I always have to check myself on. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I can't call them bitches. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's really it's sad because you know I we're we're just we're taught to hate our own reflection and 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 we're we're taught to hate the 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 version of us that's reflected in 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 our our female counterparts. And I think it's so sad because you know women are beautiful. All women are beautiful. Like there's I don't really believe in like ugly people, Mm -hmm. you know, I know that there are people who feel like they are, or, you know, some people will say, oh, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Like, it doesn't mean that you're attracted to every person, but every single person that exists on this planet is a reflection of God, period. And, and, and the fact that so many of us are taught to hate ourselves, no matter how quote unquote ugly or beautiful we are, just shows you how demonic this, this society is right now. Um, and we have to have more women stepping up to change that and to encourage people to love themselves exactly as they are, because it's, it breaks my heart to see people literally, you know, butchering themselves for the sake of some, you know, transient version of what beauty is supposed to be like beauty standards are constantly changing. They're constantly evolving. Like what's popular in beauty right now is not going to be popular in five years, but you have people making these like massive permanent changes to themselves and largely for for the benefit or the the approval of, of men who it's really- it's the male gaze and it's also it also has to do with just just like men like to kind of validate each other women also mm-hmm. want to one up the next woman cuz yeah. the, the man yeah. isn't there really he doesn't really care that much like you look good no. whatever like men will sleep with yeah. anything yeah. I mean, like, I, I I don't remember where I read this, but somebody it was like it was on like some forum or something. And the woman was like, men will literally fuck like a warmed up glazed donut. <laughs> you know, like it's like they will put their dick in anything. And so it's like, why are you killing yourself to be attractive to like what I consider like the less attractive <laughs> half of you? Like women are like astronomically more beautiful than 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 men are yeah we're all beautiful but women are we're goddesses Mm -hmm. you know and I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that so it's it's sad to me that we we do so much to ourselves to to get the approval of people who at the end of the day don't really care yeah and yeah so that that was I'm I'm glad that was like your addition (laughs) your your addition to my 360 womanhood um essay and um, yeah, something that I always kind of like to share with other women and, and talk to people, you know, cause people that haven't bought the book yet and they can yeah. get into it. So I have to ask in tying all this together. Also, I guess one of my friends DM'd me like a trailer to um, the show mm-hmm. earlier. She was like, oh, like this show looks really cool. And like this gr- th- this girl here and she was like referring to you. She's like, wow, she mm-hmm. looks amazing or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's that's Andrea. And she she noted about your hair and your haircut. And like I looked at the tree. I was like, wow, like this is this is a thing like your hair is the the cut is giving a vibe and it's giving an energy. So I feel like it's interconnected to what you were talking about. And I wanted to hear exactly how it was interconnected to to like because black women have hair journeys, you know. Yes. And to arrive to a place where you just cut it all off like what is was there a hair journey involved with this was there girl you I gotta know hear it was a hair journey I gotta you know hear it was a hair journey I gotta oh hear god it. oh man I'm gonna try to condense this okay oh child um so I I I got my first relaxer 
I was, I was relaxed as a child. Um, I think I got my first relaxer when I was like 10 and I didn't even like, I mean, my mom used to like press our hair once a week. We would sit in the kitchen by the stove and she would literally hot comb our hair. And it was mm-hmm. like a once a week thing where we would have like hair wash day, get our hair hot combed. And you better not get your hair dirty at school. You better not get no sand in your hair. Dirt. This hairstyle better last all week. Like that was just the rule. And then so when I was about 10, you know, my sisters, my two big sisters, you know, wore relaxers. They would put tracks in their hair and they did all these like fun styles. And like my younger, my old, my second oldest sister kept her hair really short and she would like slick it down with gel. Like, you know, it's nineties mm-hmm. and she looked, she looked amazing. And so I wanted a relaxer like my sisters. And I was also tired of like getting my hair hot combed every Sunday. And so I asked for it and little did I know that that would be like such a mistake, <laughs> but I basically wore my hair relaxed until I was like, I think 20, 21 when mm-hmm. I did the big chop. And the reason why I did it was because I, I had gotten headshots. I was, I was studying at the New York conservatory for dramatic arts. And one of the administrators whom I was really close to at the school, he was such a kind man. And he was going over my headshots with me and he was basically critiquing them and basically just telling me how bad my headshots were and how they didn't look like me and they didn't what? like showcase my beauty. I mean, it's, it's constructive. Criticism. Yeah, yeah, okay. He wasn't, Okay. He wasn't a, he wasn't a jerk about it, but mm-hmm. the gist of it was these just aren't good enough. They don't show who you really are. And then he asked me, he was, this is a white man. This is like a middle-aged white man. And he was like, why don't you wear your natural hair? Why do you wear your hair straight? Ugh. And I was like, excuse me. <laughs> not, no, it wasn't even like that. It was just, I had literally never thought about it before. I had literally never thought about it before. I didn't even know what my natural hair looked like. Mm-hmm. anymore. And cause I had been relaxing for like 10 years and it kind of, it did catch me off guard. And I was just sort of like, well, you know, well, it's easier. And did, you know, all the excuses that we make, of course, but I was not, I didn't have like my hair never grew past my shoulders. It was always short. It was constantly breaking off. I was terrible with it. And, but it put, it planted the seed. It planted the seed and then I would say like uh, almost two years later, I, I decided to big chop. I was, um, this was the beginning of the natural hair movement. And I was starting to see a lot of women who were talking about natural hair and like transitioning was what they called it. Like everybody transitioned from relaxed to, to natural. And I was like, okay, I'm going to transition. I'm going to stop relaxing my hair. I'm going to grow it out for like six months or so. And then I'm going to cut my relaxer off. And then after like three weeks, I was like, I don't want to transition. I just, I just want to be natural. And so I literally went in the bathroom in the middle of the night while my, my, my husband or my, who's my boyfriend at the time. Yeah. It was like the middle of the night. And I went into the bathroom, I wet my hair and I cut it all off. Wow. And yeah. And it was like the most, after I did it, I was like, what the fuck did I just do? (laughs) But it was also like, what the fuck did I just do? This is amazing. You know, it just, I felt so, I felt like all of this weight had lifted off of my shoulders. And I went and got a set of headshots done with my hair super short and um, got into, like a few months later, I got into modeling with my hair really, really short. And let me tell you, when I cut my hair off, everything just like took off. Really? I started, I started booking modeling jobs like crazy, like crazy after I cut my hair off. 
And I, I didn't keep it short. I, I, I started growing it out almost right away and I just kept it in a short fro. But then what I started learning as my hair started growing was that nobody knew how to do hair. So I would show up for, you know, modeling jobs and commercial shoots and things like that. And they didn't know what the fuck to do with my hair. They were like, oh, well, we're just going to keep it exactly the way it is. It would literally be like <laughs> a short, shrunken, dry fro, oh, no. which which is my my preferred way of wearing it. But there needs to be like some styling there. Yeah. And so, you know, I started wearing wigs. You know, I, I started wearing wigs. Um, actually, let me rewind. I had booked I had booked a job for um, it was for soft and beautiful. It was for um, like they they do like the like the curls, mm-hmm. like the like the, like the not the jerry curl, but like the the curl, the chemical curl. And I booked a job for soft and natural. And it was like a twenty thousand dollar job. And the day before the shoot, you know, we had to go into the salon to get our hair prepped and everything for the shoot. And the stylist actually, and this is a black stylist. He burned the front of my hair off. Oh, like it, it literally started coming out in chunks in my hand. And I, I cried and like called my manager. It was like they burned my hair off. And the clients, all these white people, because it's all white people, um, were all freaked out. And basically, in a nutshell, they fired me. They, they, they fired me and replaced me with another girl. So I, I booked this job, got my hair burned off, and they got fired because he burned my hair off and didn't get paid. And then I had to threaten to sue them to get paid for the day of work that I did at the, at the salon. And then, so after that, I started wearing wigs and then that was, oh my God, if I had known what kind of like can of worms I was opening with that, it just sent me down this path of just constantly shopping for wigs, trying Uh to find the right texture. Oh, it's a lifestyle. It's, it is, it's not only a lifestyle, it's a mind, it's a money suck. It's a time suck. It fucks with your mentality. It changes the way that you feel about the way that you look. I mean, girl, when I tell you, I I used to own dozens of wigs and straight hair wigs, curly wigs. I've made my own wigs. I've done the clip-ins. I I was constantly like trying to find something that worked for me that wasn't so time consuming, Mm -hmm. but I was, I was actually spending so much time doing it. But, you know, when I would wear like a curly fro wig, I was, I was working all the time. Like I constantly booked. And so I just started wearing like a cheap wig and mm. would book with it all the time. And I never had to worry about my hair, um, getting ruined on set, but I did that for, I don't know, like eight years, eight, nine mm. years. Every time you get a new wig, you got to have new pictures because your mm. picture has to look like your hair. Mm. And it was just this vicious cycle that I was caught up in. And, and I, I just, you know, when I was 25, I cut it all off again and I kept it super short for like six months. And then I grew it out and then got back on the wig train and then did that until basically I was 30. And, um, you know, the last, the, the last year or two, before I did this cut, I was wearing my hair in, um, crochet twists, which I loved. I loved the crochet yeah. twist. I just, I kept it in the crochet twist for like maybe a year and a half. And then when I, when I divorced my husband, my ex-husband, I, I cut all my hair off again. I just like, I had taken the crochet twists out and the thought of doing another day of like hours of washing and twisting and putting product in and setting it and all of that. I was just like, I can't, I can't do this. And I, 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 like I'd done that first time when I was 20 years old, I went in the bathroom and got some scissors (laughs) and just cut it all off. And my, my boyfriend at the time, you know, he came, he came over and I was like, surprise. And he was just like, 
oh my God, you look amazing. Like he loved it. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I went to a barber the next day and I got it like shaped up and everything. And it's funny story. After I cut all my hair off that last time when I was, when I turned 30, I had, I had an audition for NCASLA and it was, it was a, a guest star audition um, to just, just to play a guest star, like a one day guest star on the show. It was like a nightclub manager or something. And so I walked in the audition with my freshly cut, super short hair. And the showrunner was in the room that day. And he immediately thought of me for the role of Hidoko because I didn't, I didn't originally, I wasn't originally given an audition for that role. I was, it was just that one day guest star. Oh, wow. So but, you like yeah. really made an impression. Like you yeah. came in there with mm-hmm. not just the hair, but the confidence of a woman that cut her hair. Exactly. You know? And he yeah. told me after I booked the show, he was like, you know, when you walked in the room and I saw that haircut, he was like, who is this right. woman who has the balls yes. to just like, yeah. And so, and because Hadoko was such a badass, ballsy character, he, that's why he thought of me for that role because the role was originally going to be an Asian woman. That's why her last name yeah. is Hadoko. I was like, hmm, <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that makes sense. They, they wrote in like a storyline of her husband was Asian and all that to mm-hmm. like, you know, fix it. But when I when I went in for that one day guest star, there were a bunch of Asian women auditioning for the role of Hidoko that day. And he asked me to read for the role and I ended up booking it. Wow. And, yeah. That is really cool. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. But that just like having the courage and the confidence to do that is what honestly like changed the whole trajectory of my career. Because if I had gone in that audition with the big curly yeah, wig that I've yeah. been wearing, I probably would have booked the nightclub manager role and I would have done one <laughs> episode of NCSLA and who knows what would have happened after that, you know? Wow. Yeah. And so I've, I've kept it this short since then. I, I love it. And the next time I grow my hair out, it's going to be to lock it. So until then, I'm going to be bald. <laughs> I mean, that's really profound. And that that is, ladies and gentlemen, a proper hair her, hair journey story. <laughs> Yes, I love that. It's just, I just love the ease of it. You know, yeah. I don't, I love that I don't have to think about it. I can just get up, do my thing. I just brush it a little bit. And it's, you got more time for other things. Like you got more so time for time. Your, your skin, your face. Like, you know, but listen, not everybody got your face, girl. So don't be out here trying to tell everybody <laughs> to cut their hair and then they get something else. And then the the boyfriend that's in bed will actually leave. <laughs> well, <laughs> let, let him and let him. Let him. Boom. There you go. There you <laughs> everybody, go. You have everybody to check can have it. You have to check everybody can have out. a shortcut. You just have to do the right cut for your face, I think. There you go. <laughs> She's like, I don't, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, listen. Yeah. I mean, I think I think about cutting my hair and but it always has to kind of be in alignment with when I'm kind of working on my body and everything. Like it can't be yeah. when I'm in my chubby face zone. Like I'm not going to do it <laughs> then. I'm going to do it when I'm, you know, on track. Then, you know, I see, you know, everything, you know. Well, I support you either way. I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, let me know. Let me know. So these are the last three questions. And okay. they're all kind of connected. So, you know, um, tell me, what is a tough lesson you have learned and grown from? Hmm. Okay. Um, I thought about, I thought about this question before, um, the, the tough lesson that I had to learn and grow from was about forgiveness. It was about the, the importance of forgiveness and, and how transformative forgiveness can be. 
Um, I, I spent most of my adult, like teen and adult life being very angry at my father for the choices that he made and how it affected our family, you know, and I've talked about this on my social media and in videos. My, my dad was a drug addict. Uh, he was a, a heroin addict oh. and, um, and he dealt with addiction for pretty much most of his life. And he, you know, my parents got divorced when I was, when I was young and he just really wasn't around. And I carried a lot of anger and resentment for him uh, towards him because of that. And when I was right before I turned 30, I actually, I, it was the first time I went to Burning Man. I had a, a premonition of, of his death. I knew that he wasn't going to live the, 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 rema- the remainder of the year. Wow. I don't know. I don't know how, like I was, cause I was at, um, at Burning Man, there's um, one, of, one of the art structures, it's called the temple. And it's just a beautiful, because um, everything is built on, on the playa specifically for that event and everything gets burned or torn down at the end of it. Because it's like just returning it back to the dust. And so the temple is basically like a shrine for the dead. And people can go and basically leave mementos and memorials for their for their loved ones that have passed on and like you can people write on the walls. They basically, it's, it's just turned into one giant shrine. It's this, it's a wooden structure that people decorate in artwork and you can put whatever you want there. And then on the last day of burning man, it gets lit on fire and it's sort of like a cleansing where you say goodbye to everyone. And so when I was at the temple, I was very drawn to all of the remembrances of people's fathers. Um, I don't know what it was about it, but I kept reading people's letters to their dads and a lot of the letters to the people's fathers were very like they were hurt or they were angry. And, you know, dad, why did you, you know, why did you treat our family the way that you did? Or daddy, I miss you so much. I wish you were here. Just a lot of things about dads. And that's where I just got this feeling over me, right? Where I thought, or I knew that if I came back to Burning Man the next year, I'd be putting my dad's picture at the temple. Mm. And the day that I got back from Burning Man, like the, I, I had this premonition on Saturday, the temple burned on Sunday. And then the next day my dad died. The very next day he died. I got home from Burning Man early Monday morning and crashed into bed at like eight o'clock and 11 AM. My, my phone was blowing up and he had overdosed. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so that was in 2016. And, and I still carried a lot of, even after he died, I still carried a lot of that anger and that hurt. And what I learned was that uh, once I began my healing journey was that that resentment for him was blocking me from having spiritual union with the divine masculine. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. Because that's who your daddy represents. Like your father is your, is your, is really your first love. You know, I mean, if you're, if you're hetero. Um, I mean, not even if you're hetero, even if you're not, your dad is like the first man that you love, but like your dad is also like that first example of what, uh, 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 you know, your, your partner should be because it's the reflection that you see in the relationship with your mother. And so once I started my healing journey and I began the practice of forgiveness, I didn't, I did not understand until then how much I was blocking in my life by holding on to anger from him and how that was reverberating in all of the ways that I was interacting with and perceiving the behaviors of, of men. And so once I began that journey of, of forgiving him and healing my relationship with the divine, fe- the divine masculine, um, so much of my life has changed. And I've actually attracted so many beautiful men in my life that are 
that just fully embody like that what's what's so magnificent and magical about the divine masculine energy. And I don't think that I would have been able to do that had I not really allowed myself to go into the dark and 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 really look at and heal all of those traumas from my yeah the shadow of 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 my of my father and so that was a a huge 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 lesson for me and and if any advice that I could give to anybody because a lot of a lot of black women have troubled relationships with their fathers and if I can give advice about this I would say that our mothers and our fathers they they're they all did the best that they could it may not have been what you needed, but they did the best that they could. And anything that you felt like you weren't getting from them or you didn't get from them, you can give to yourself, but you won't be able to give that to yourself until you let go of the anger and resentment that you're holding toward them. And it'll be especially healing in terms of the kinds of men you attract into your lives. A lot of women are attracting toxic men into their lives because of their broken relationships and their unhealed wounds with their fathers. And if you heal that wound with your father, whether he's dead or alive, it's going to completely change your life. But doing it while he's alive will save you the pain that I went through of having to heal that after he died, because I can't call him. Mm -hmm. I can't pick up the phone and call him and say, hey, dad, I forgive you. And I just want to talk to you. Or can you tell me what you know about men? Can you give me advice? Can you share some wisdom with me? I don't, I don't, I don't get to do that because I let my anger prevent me from having that relationship with him. And so that, that's one of the biggest lessons of my life is to, to learn to forgive. It doesn't mean you're absolving them of what they did. It just means you're releasing yourself from the the, the shackles that are keeping you from living your life to the fullest. Wow. (laughs) That was deep. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I usually have a better, you know, vocab there, but that that was not expecting all of that. That is very profound. That is really amazing. And as you know, as a memoir writer, I would say you should do something with that. I feel like, you know, I don't know if you write or, you know, if, if you ever I thought do. about doing that or putting together, you know, some some life and times of Andrea, you know, and because. I think having something handy for young women to kind of just hold and read and, you know, on their Kindle or on the train, I think it's really cool. Something that people can, you know, I guess that's how my mind works. When I hear no, like an amazing I, narrative, I I'm just advice. like, right, just write, you know, like yeah. this is how you can pass it on. So that's just I, I very actually, powerful. Thank you. I yeah. actually haven't written in a while. And so hearing you say that, you know, it, it's a reminder that, that and I'm, I'm a gifted writer. And so, and I think that is something that I should probably put down on paper because I do believe it would be really healing for a lot of, a lot of women and men and men too, because a lot of men have fucked up relationships with their dads too. And obviously we see how that's reflected in the way that they behave. And I feel like if a lot of them were able to process and forgive their dads, these men would be having very different outlooks on life as well. So thank you for that. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to tap into that. It's, 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 you know, it's interesting how people internalize, I guess, heartbreak you know mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. that fundamental heartbreak and what it does to them and you know sometimes you see boys that grow up without fathers and you know they end up not necessarily hating women but there's a disconnection that they have and you know a disassociation that they have with other people and, and a reserve yeah. so yeah it's yeah well thank you for that and you're welcome tell me uh do you have a personal motto or anything that you live by 
Oh yeah. I'll, I'll keep this one simple since I, I went long winded on the last answer. What basically what I live by is that I am, I am the creator of my reality and I take responsibility for everything that I experience, everything good or bad because it's to teach me and to grow me and nothing happens to me. Everything happens for me, period. Yeah. Wow. And I, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm big on, on like self-help. So like, I'm like listening to you, like, you know, and you know, I love my Tony Robbins and I love all of that stuff. So, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So tell me, you know, you've, you've actually, given us a lot of amazing advice for for women and black women through your journey but definitively at 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 the times and what what stands out the most in your mind right now for advice that you want to give young black women what's the primary thing if you can only say like one thing like this is it this is my definitive advice for black women andrea bordeaux here where i am right now you know, I think I think it's gonna be a, a bit of a piggyback off of the question you just asked me. I would I would I would say to to, to black women that you are you are a goddess, and if your life is in flow and if it's full of joy and love and happiness, it's because of what you've created for yourself. And if it's not any of those things, then look at what you need to do differently so that you can create and manifest the joy and the love and the happiness and the abundance for yourself. And also, yeah. And be willing to do the work for it. Oh, 100%. You have that. You can't do that if you're not willing to do the work for it. You know, you, it's just not going to happen. Faith without works is, 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 is dead. You know, you have to put in the work and the work that you put into yourself, the way investing into yourself can only result in, in, in major, major returns and profits from that investment. You are never going to be in a deficit when you're fully investing in yourself. It's just, it's just not the way that the universal law works. And what we're going to do is we're going to repeat that again. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You will never be in a deficit if you're investing in yourself. That's a gem. That's it. Thank you. That's it. I just, I just, that just came from yeah, the goddess I mean, right yeah. into my head. <laughs> and that, that is a perfect way to to wrap up the show and end. And, and that's what it is, because that's what I said primarily. I was like, that's the one thing that stands out to me about Andrea, about the importance of, of you know, self-investment, the importance of like working on yourself as a woman. That's the one thing. So that's perfect. So thank, thank you. you, Andrea Bordeaux and Run the World premieres <laughs> on Stars May 16th. That's right. Yes. And we are looking forward to watching it. This is something that we need. This is something I know me and my homegirls and my girlfriends are looking forward to and in our new era. So thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a joy. And I really appreciate the opportunity to just converse with you and share our wisdom with each other. And thank you for being so supportive of the show. It really is truly fucking amazing and i know that people are going to love it so much and i'm so excited for you know people to just immerse themselves in these stories and see themselves reflected in these characters because we're doing this we're doing this for you guys and so thank you for this i i very much appreciate it. i'm very grateful andrea bordeaux bye guys bye 
Thank you.